human, don't you know? Just like you are. I'm Rachel Woods, HRBP turned HR coach. And in this series, I explore the technical spectrum that is life in HR with folk in the know. Those that have been there bought the T-shirt and are happy to share their experiences for us all to benefit. So grab a cuppa, get comfortable and we'll crack on. I am delighted to welcome my first ever guest on this first ever We're Human. And after a long career in-house, Denise Murphy is now an outsourced HR provider running the HR department in Wimbledon and New Malden. With a background that spans the spectrum of HR strategy and delivery, employment law, recruitment, redundancy, and pretty much everything in between, I imagine Denise has had some challenging conversations in her time, which is why we're going to discuss that today after a big We're Human welcome to you. Denise hello hi Rachel how are you very well it's great to have you and I don't want to get into the meat of this straight away what I'd really like to know and I think what I'd like to know from all of my guests actually is would you do a bit of a flashback and tell us what brought you to HR in the first place um I think good question I kind of started my after school I went straight into my degree in business studies and I specialised in HRM in my postgrad and um, I haven't veered from it. I kind of fell in love with it and it's kind of a vocation ever since Um, came out of uni and I went straight into the Sheraton Group as a HR administrator and advancing up through the years there. Then went on into um, meat manufacturing, HR standalone role there and then I found myself in London and I worked in the services company of King's University for nine, ten years. And last year I launched my own HR consultancy business, which is a franchise model from the HR Dep here in Wimbledon in Malton. So I don't know how I got in there, but I still love <laughs> it and um, I'm still doing it. <laughs> wow, so HR through and through, isn't it? That's um, yeah, like yeah. a rock star. Does it say HR in the middle? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> probably somewhere. <laughs> if you got deep enough at this stage, yeah, seventeen years later, yeah, I think so. <laughs> what what keeps you? What what keeps you going with it with HR as a career? I suppose I've always and ever and um, will continue to have an innate interest in people and how they work and what how to get the best out, giving back as a company as well to have that work life balance and everybody benefits I always that's what I'm always striving to do when I work with businesses and is just work we all have to work to pay our bills and and unfortunately it takes up most of our time um, (laughs) if we are full-timers specifically and um, it's good for the business to get the most out of you and you get the most out of the business as well so I try and achieve that with my HR as best I can and I think that's what keeps me there keeps you in it yeah it's just funny isn't it I think a lot of people, when they start in HR, and I used to hear it, I probably said it when I was back in very, very young days, that, oh, well, I really like people, so I'll go into HR. And I think, well, I, actually, I got into HR, and after a while, I didn't like people very much, but I was very interested in what made them tick. I was interested in the dynamics. And so I think if you have that, kind, I think when you said it, it was I was interested in how people were. I was interested in people as opposed to going, well, I really liked people. <laughs> it's a a very different dynamic that isn't it liking absolutely it is totally (laughs) yeah and it's a curiosity of as I say what what makes them take as you said yeah so it's yeah and it's always interesting no two days are ever the same because each individual is different so each situation is different 
Yeah, yeah, and you do truly see, I think, the best and um, maybe the worst of human behaviour in the workplace. Absolutely. <laughs> We've all Absolutely. got our war stories, I'm sure. And I'm, yes. <laughs> there might even be a whole episode of war stories at some time. But so, <laughs> we go, I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this one, when we were talking before to set this up, we said actually challenging conversations is going to be a really good topic to cover because if you're new to HR and thinking, you know, well, what sort of things will I have to tackle and deal with? Um, you can kind of have the, I guess, the, the CIPD entry level foundational courses don't really cover a lot no. of that you may deal with as an HR professional, which is why I want to put this, this podcast together. Um, but at the same time, you can't possibly cover all of the stuff you might no. come across. <laughs> And experience helps a lot along the way. And that's why it's good for line managers to have HR people who've probably been in the in, in the sphere and have come across something similar and can coach and direct them in the right way, which is what I seem to be doing now with, with people I work with. It's you, you can't you you can't you can't like that experience, that knowledge of even the tone of voice or, you know, little things like that, just to coach people slightly on, on those things. And even those prepping meetings with the line managers, they're invaluable as well. So that's that's great help for what I find for managers as well. Yeah. And do you find a, 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 there's been any kind of shift since when you started in your career through to now as a consultant, obviously? Um, but even when you before you set up, um, you know, working, working effectively for yourself, was there a shift between where these conversations happened? I, mean, I do remember, you know, way, way back in the day, it was if somebody needed to be given some bad news um, or some feedback that the manager didn't want to provide. Quite often it was, let's go and have a chat with HR and see if they'll do it for us. Or it was assumed that HR would do it for us. Everything yes. from, I know, so-and-so's got a body oh, order, yeah. or, you know, I, I need to, to pull a disciplinary together can you tell them they're being invited for a disciplinary I don't want to tell them why <laughs> HR when you do it for me yeah. has that shifted are you seeing a change or are there still pockets not not as far as I'd like to have shifted because I think they they think HR it's better to come from me that I get this a lot it'll come better from HR and I'm like no it doesn't it's better if you deal with it and you you set the scene because it's that trust and confidence in they have in their manager and it, it actually benefits the manager whereas the manager just wants to still walk away from it and try and ignore the situation and think HR can deal with it um, so they really try to use that a lot still. Um, less so than before, but still, no, it's not. It's not where it should be. I don't think yet. Yeah, I suppose it depends on the culture of the business, doesn't it? And there's a, a big question there around what's HR's role in helping develop that culture and helping develop the, you know, the ability and confidence for managers to have those conversations, understand that it is better coming from them. It's it's you know it's their team, it's their people. Um, so what's been what's been your experience in terms of those um, those conversations were because almost almost a challenging conversation in itself to go back to the manager and explain why it really would be better coming from them sure <laughs> have you found that in the past yeah that, that's been a tricky one to have. And what I, yeah so you're trying to tell them you know you're trying to educate them and why and kind of make them comfortable in this as well and get them to understand why if they lay it off to HR person, 
that it's actually escalating the situation and it's not improving the situation at all because the, the employee then is going, oh my God, HR is involved. So there's an element of more worry there for the employee, which shouldn't happen at all. And um, so what we're trying to achieve by make, hitting the situation when it's in its infancy, preferably, it's actually going to escalate it if you get somebody like HR involved. Um, so you're trying to tell them that. And again, as you say, that's a difficult conversation itself. But again, like <laughs> anybody, some people are more receptive of that than others. So um, I think, again, what I'm finding, because I'm only in my consultancy now with the last 15 months. So it's them having the confidence in me to actually like listen to me now whereas I had that in my previous organizations mm. after you know the people knew me and they they trusted me so now building up that trust with SME owners and minor managers is proving another difficult conversation that I'm challenged with at the moment though just no knowledgeable being being that soundboard that you have the knowledge and experience to advise them in the right path you know yeah I can imagine I, it's, <clears throat> I hadn't actually thought about that the the dynamic of coming in as an external consultant versus being in-house HR I mean there's an assumption with in-house HR isn't it it's, it's kind of your job to serve the yeah. organization um, rightly or wrongly that's that's there but that, there must be something similar with an external consultant that well we're paying you so you'll come in and do it right or yeah so that perception that you're, well. you're the one to come in with a hatchet because you don't know anyone and how do you get around that? How do you? Um, again, trying to give them the pitfalls. If I, I can do it, and I will say I can do it, but if I do it, this is why I shouldn't be doing it because it is undermining your position. It is escalating the situation unnecessarily. It is putting the employee at a, at a worry, which they don't need to be at. And it probably will actually damage what you want to achieve in the first place and actually make it way worse. So, yeah. you know, just set those out for them and then they say okay what's the pluses if you do it what's the pluses the message gets done but it's the wrong message that that they're receiving yeah yeah so it's, it's... usually if you put it that way which is the, the angle that i go with they tend they tend to understand why i'm yeah. not I, i'll do it 110 times i have no problems doing it but it just doesn't achieve what it should be achieving then mm. and what difference do you find in terms of like seniority do you find that that kind of lower level managers are more inclined to let HR deal with it or want HR to deal with it? And directors and co are are more inclined to, well, I'll do it. I'll, I'll have the conversation or actually human wise. Are they all kind of like, yeah, we really don't want to have that chat. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, she doesn't come into it. It depends on the individual. There's, there's always going to be somebody who will do it and is eager to, you know, learn. So they and they appreciate that if I do it once and I get a bit of experience, it'll be easier at going along. So there's always there's not really the seniority that comes in. It's just the individual preference and personality. There's some people who will never want to do it, and it'll always be a task for them. They could be doing it a hundred times, but yet they still don't want to do it. Then you've got the person who is doing it for the first time is and is eager to learn and understands it's part of my role now. So I should gain experience in this. And it's great to have a sounding board and have a script and talk through it with somebody like HR professional and let's do a role play even beforehand, you know, and they appreciate that. And once they do a few of them, then they, they tend to be more receptive to it and continue it. But there's always going to be people who just will never want to do it. And it's a chore every time. <laughs> or those that even with the best will in the world will, I guess, want to do it. And 
no matter how much they try for something I've always always kind of baffled me there were those that would always do it badly regardless but so it wasn't a fear thing it was almost it was overconfidence or um that sort of bombasticness of I'm gonna get on and do that and yes of course so there's a there's not there's an opposing thing to that isn't there where you kind of almost have to rein in the what the the keen beans yes and it's almost like they don't take the situation by situation as well. You don't, you have managers then that will just go in with like set script and go with it. They, they, you're telling them you, it's not a, yes, you can prepare, but if something comes on board, you need to listen and, you know, take that on board and adjourn the meeting if you need to. Um, but there's some people that you can never coach as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. And also it's that, that, it's it's the the whether there is a coaching and mentoring job there for HR to do, isn't there? Absolutely, and I suppose you have got those that have that script and stick to it, and it's a broadcast as opposed to a conversation. Yeah, so they're not. Again, the delivery isn't what you want it to be, and the outcome definitely isn't going to be achieved when you know. Yeah, yeah. and it's human nature, I suppose. Some people just I don't know. It's just they. I don't know, is it a lack of understanding or a lack of will to understand? I'm not sure. I haven't I haven't actually decided on that yet. I'm not sure. I just don't know. There's I'm sure that differs. Yeah. <laughs> it differs human by human. And then I, I know we don't talk individuals here because I want this to be a safe space, but yeah, there are I can flash back to having some really, really awkward conversations with people that have had to go and have a discussion with somebody, and it was meant to be a discussion. And it turned into a broadcast. And there was feedback and the feedback was wholly and entirely ignored mm-hmm. and poo-pooed and yeah. dismissed in many ways. And ultimately that conversation, which could have been hugely um, resolving, it could have been hugely enlightening and helpful to all, became an absolute cluster. Yeah, that's happened. That's when HR stuff. then did have to get involved because it became yes. grievance and you suddenly like should yes. we have had the the conversation in the first place? I'd still say no because it still wasn't yeah. job. I'm, I don't know why I'm doing air quotes because this is an audio recording. Um, but um, it's uh, how, I mean, have you? I guess you've been in that position at some point. You've have you got around that? It, it just yeah, and I worked with people as well like that, and I knew no matter what way we prepared that that it was going to be a broadcast and you always question to avoid the follow-up that's not going to be positive should you do it but as you just said no it's always best coming from the manager because you don't want to undermine them and you're I suppose you're always hoping for the best don't you although you probably know already (laughs) that yeah so yeah I've definitely had that yeah it's constantly having something crossed (laughs) yeah and you hope all the time, don't you? We're, we're optimists, aren't we? All yeah, this people. time they'll get it right. This time yeah. they'll get it right. <laughs> and then that email lands in your box and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, we tried. We tried. Yes, we did. We we <laughs> we're only human too. <laughs> I know. Well, exactly. And sometimes we get it wrong. I know I've dropped some clangers in the past that, you know, said things that came out wrong. Um, yeah. With all the intent. And I knew what I intended to say, but for some reason it just didn't come out in the way that I meant it, or it did come out the way that I meant it, but it was taken in a completely different way. And it's how you come back from that, isn't it? And that's quite, I think, yeah. When have you found that that's kind of been the case with with somebody else? Like you say, when they don't plan for something to come out of left field, they don't plan for an answer they're not expecting. But also maybe they've said something that's landed 
it's not been understood in the way that it was meant yeah. to be understood and how do they get you know how, how have you kind of got them around that well if I've done that I've tried I've obviously apologized for it to come out the wrong way and explained it in the way that I meant it to to um come come forward and then if I if I'm there in a situation happens where somebody else is and I understand that that individual meant it in another way I try and explain that to their recipient um, and hopefully then they can understand some things miscommunications tone of voice might be how how it was delivered wrong um so again, what I find with that and what I'm learning now as well is when you're in-house and you've been there for a few years, they know you and they, they appreciate you. You don't, you know, yeah, oh, but that's Denise or that's John and you know, <clears throat> just come out wrong this time and they know that. But so when you're going in there new and they you don't know them and they don't know you as such, you don't have that um, luxury. I, I mm. put it that they 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 don't know that yeah I've come even my accent might come across different with what I say or my tone as I've said already so they don't know they don't have that experience of you that you actually minted this way whereas again all you can do is explain apologize for it being t- taken up the wrong way and explain the way it was meant to and hopefully <coughs> understand and yeah and there is an element there isn't there so kind of dropping the ego and just going no like, I said that wrong and there's no yeah. harm in saying, I'm really sorry that came out completely incorrectly. This is what I meant to say. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's that clean language, isn't it? And being aware that you it's okay. You're not backpedaling. You're just correcting and clarifying. Exactly. You know, that came out completely wrong. And I meant to say this. Yeah. And again we're only human and it's it's being able to express that you are only human and yeah we get it wrong too and I've had I've said that numerous times in my career because I am I'm only human I can get around that perfect um but yeah it's that as well yeah very right yeah now I think um I don't know whether you've had this experience but HR are famous for having models and frameworks and coaching's just as bad um we are just as bad for having well good depending on your point of view for having models frameworks methods acronyms mnemonics all of the rest so is there anything that you rely on or you use when you're planning um the sort of conversations that you know are going to be sensitive they're going to be stressful it could be about performance it could be about redundancies you know when you have those sorts of one-to-ones or even um group conversations small group conversations when you're consulting um do you have a framework that you use or, or or is it a little bit more fluid than that it's a bit more fluid than that. I just go by the ACAS guidelines in, in everything that I do, really. Yeah. And um, and obviously refer to my policies and procedures of whatever organisation I'm working with at the time. Um, and just, again, no situation is the same. You obviously have to follow the point of law or the framework or whatever, the guideline that, that's involved. But you also have to adapt it for the culture and the person and the, and the situation you're in. So it has to be more fluid, I think. Mm, you humanize it don't you that's the thing it's yeah exactly. kind of um have the have the ACAS markers in there you know, get keep your checkpoints but at the same yeah. time write like you would say it like you would speak it maybe then go back and edit if it's going to be something that needs to be formalized or you, then you hand out a copy of what you've just said so they've got absolute clarity yeah but yeah I, I think the amount of times that I've seen something read something heard something and gone blimey you know, you just, you either can't follow it or you switch off. Yeah. So full of jargon, it's... Yeah, uh, you have to put it in layman terms, don't you? You just, again, you need the the audience to understand what you're saying. 
And again, it's about adapting that communication style for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have a manager that said, um, whenever you deliver anything, and I agreed with this, actually, it was a really good analogy. When you agree with anything, sorry, when you agree, even <laughs> when you write anything or prepare anything, would the chap at the back of the 50, number 59 bus get it? Yeah. So a random stranger sat on the bus, would they understand what you're saying? Yeah. If the answer is no, well, then you're not being clear. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very good advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, I was, am a little bit guilty of being a bit verbose every now and again. So it's bringing it right back. Yeah. Um, to... And you do, I, I always, yeah, edit, 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 because you always tend to write it as a process and in more you know regulatory terms than what you but uh, yeah I edit and edit until I I get the tone right and the the words and the yeah yeah because yeah, I think if you read a letter you don't mind so much if it feels more formal but when you're being spoken to or spoken with or listened to and not questioned and all the rest of it that we don't use that formal language no in in our everyday speech do we 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 mm. use contractions we use um a little bit of slang we use um metaphors and the like and it's when we, we wouldn't in a letter we wouldn't in an email necessarily no no and yet no. it humanizes the, the speech doesn't it? it humanizes our our conversation so flipping this from we've talked a lot about kind of messaging i suppose and that kind of thing that side of conversations what's been your experience of encouraging managers with their listening skills the key the key to a good conversation right yeah exactly um i always start you know with how would you how how do you listen or how when do you actually sit up and hear someone that's what i always start with if i'm doing even you know a workshop or something on and a different one thing or another and if listening is in there um and so i get their feedback and you know try to tell them Yes, you 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 put your point across, but you need to listen for what's coming across back to you as well. And you've two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah, I like that one. And <laughs> yeah, just always remember that ratio. Um, and yeah, that's what I try and tell them, and trying to you know explain to them why it is important to to listen and to shut up at times too. Yes, that whole body listening as well, isn't it? It's noticing somebody's face and voice might be saying one thing. But their body language might be screaming something else entirely. And go, yeah, I understand. Yet everything that their body is telling you is, yeah, but you don't. It's telling you otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, or it's an interesting, wasn't it, when you think about the verbal cues? And I know there's some there's some data, isn't there? Percentages around how much we take in um, visually than versus orally versus anything else. But mm-hmm. it's that whole bodily holistic view, isn't it? And in, in seeing, believing what somebody's saying, and and when you ask somebody if they're fine, and they sort of shrug it off, and you don't believe it, so you ask again. It's it's a complicated version of that, isn't it? As a, a, yeah. a true conversation, not really complicated version of that. Yeah, and again, what I find is because managers are interested in the end result and the outcome, they just want it's almost like a ticking box situation they want to achieve rather than, you know, taking on board what is being said and shown and, you know, feel the room and, you know, listen to the cues and see those cues and feel those mm. cues of 
yeah, there might be saying one thing, and but you know deep down, and again, you know they they come and they like I, when you see a manager understanding somebody, and an employee that might have worked with them for a few years, and hmm, they they're not they they're off today or they've been off last week, and you know that's always a good sign of a manager when they see those, you know they're not performing like they should or they're quieter in the meeting than they normally are and you you know you that's good to because you need to understand what's going on in their world too and if that is the case a good manager can see all those and address them and that might end up in a difficult conversation in itself that's management nirvana isn't it is when you have a manager that goes i noticed this yeah. yeah, I'm observant and I get it. And I notice my team's not where they should be. They don't, this isn't getting across as it should be. How do I make this better? That's what you want to hear from a manager. Yeah. You made a really good point a minute ago, actually. It was around um, wanting that resolution or wanting the solution or wanting to get to the end result, whatever that might be. And that sort of where this, you know, this natural confirmation bias that humans have for filtering out information that doesn't meet their view of the world or their needs. Yeah. So it's just, I'm, that's that's at play isn't it because they're looking for oh you agree with me then don't you any information that says you agree with me i'm going to take that as verbatim i'm going to take that as gospel and i'm going to run with it as opposed to yes you're telling me that but there's some other senses that i have that are going hmm, not sure yeah but it's it's opening those filters up to being able to let that other information in because unless we consciously do that it's very hard to make that happen isn't it yeah absolutely and it's um and it's again just being open to it and willing to, to 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 listen and observe other things other than what exactly is being said. And it's like, do you want to get the result that you want in your head, or do you want the right result? And again, <laughs> you have to kind of educate people on on one, you know one over the other, and you're hoping that you will eventually get through that. You want to get the result that's the right result, not the result that's probably <laughs> going to be a short-term gain, but a long-term pain, you know? Uh, yeah, so you are, I mean, as HR, you are you are a coach, you are a mentor, you are a handholder, you are a teacher, you are yeah. some, sometimes disciplinarian, um, hopefully not as much as it used to be with HR, where it was very yeah. much, you know, the, the HR police in some ways. Um, yeah. Actually, there's another... Uh, podcast coming soon that I'm talking to somebody about turning from gamekeeper to, to gardener in that it's not just about the policy enforcer <laughs> as an HR yes. professional I wanted to ask you actually a question I wrote down because um, I thought this would be a really nice one to, to kind of close off with as well around thinking of the types of conversations most encountered that HR professionals have to have that it's appropriate maybe for HR professionals to have um, and think of it like an awards ceremony um, and not specific conversations with specific people but themes types of conversations have a think about what would be the absolute best types the ones you loved having and I can mm -hmm. probably guess at some of those um, some of the worst that you really didn't like to have to have but you knew it was part of the job so you did mm -hmm. and maybe one one of the most awkward have a think about what, what are the most awkward ones that you had yeah <laughs> start with the easy one. ones and then go, go yeah go. yeah um <laughs> Ones that I enjoyed having, I suppose, anything that was was rewarding, good behavior, good performance, good conduct, or um, even, yeah, they were always going to be the 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 good ones, but they were few and far between. I'm afraid because again, I think well, that managers was more... don't mind doing them, do they? No, 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 no. They're the ones. Yeah, because um, the managers do. <laughs> the 
ones I never liked doing, I think were always um to, to do with, you know, personal hygiene or <laughs> um, you know, um and the sensitive ones around um the manager noticed that they were off and they weren't, you know, there's something going on personally or or medically that that the manager got me involved in at some point. Or I had a really awkward one at one stage for where involved uh, a tragedy that ended up, you know, being just it was a nightmare and it brought the work it came into the work because it was it ended two people involved in that worked together and um, the tragedy was you know brought into the the workplace so um that was a really really difficult one and um the most awkward one oh gosh um. I think the most awkward one goes back to a, a body odor one, and <laughs> I was yeah, I was very very early on in my career, and I'll always remember it. And um, I was inexperienced, and I didn't deal with it the way I should have dealt with it. Um, but I learned from it, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will always remember. I don't that know one. an HR professional that hasn't had that particular conversation at some point in their career and it's I hope that that's changing I do hope that managers are now in that space of understanding and also doing it sympathetically and empathetically and, and everything else but I, I've got to say it's, it's when, whenever I've mentioned anything like that you just see a, in, in any group where there's, there's a lot of HR in the room you just see that oh yeah high roll <laughs> yeah. like we've, all, we've all been there we've all done oh that. we've all been there and I've done it 20 times since probably or more and but I'll always remember that one yeah, and it's some, really you get some quirky, quirky stuff, don't you? I remember um, I had a chat with a lady who was keeping her dog in her car while she was at work. Okay. Random. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll get into why. Um, and awkward as well, because as a dog lover, I found that actually quite, I was quite triggered by that one. Yeah. Um, somebody else was having quite heavy petting makeout sessions with her boyfriend in the car park at lunchtime. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> as people were walking past. Don't get me wrong. I, I actually, what they did in the car, it didn't. I actually thought it was a bit of a storm in a teacup. I actually didn't realise it was going to be a big thing. But yeah. for one or two that kind of walked past and saw some action, it wasn't. It wasn't explicit. I would, it wasn't horrendous like that. Yeah. It was just it, it, it rattled some of the more, um, shall we say, traditional, I suppose, and values-driven um, individuals in the organisation. Um, so I was asked to have a chat because you know clearly that's an HR thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and and but yeah, you you find a way, don't you, to to try and address these things as sensitively as you possibly can, and not giggle. Yeah, <laughs> That's the worst thing. You isn't just become um, <laughs> totally. You don't have emotions about any of these situations when you when you've done it a few times. You matter of factly just happen to discuss yeah. it and say why. Yeah. You know, let's choose somewhere else to do these things, maybe. And it's amazing what you can keep your poker face for, isn't it? It's absolutely. Oh my gosh! It's and and which is uh, what I find incredible. Those I will always advocate for an HR team to yes, okay, have an open door policy and all right. If you've got open plan offices, I really don't like that for HR, frankly. But that's that's my personal opinion. Yeah. I always say an HR team need a door because sometimes you just need to go in because sometimes you find something really inappropriate, really funny, and you can't be seen to be laughing about it. You shut your door, you get it out of your system, and then you can put your poker face back on and go back to work. And I think HR teams need that. I genuinely oh, I do. Agree with you. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Yeah, I was in an organization where they tried that that open plan for us. 
and no, they had to bring us back in. They had everybody else open plan, but they had to bring HR back in with a with a closed door office. And yeah, for those very reasons and other reasons. Um, well, some, but yeah, it's a safe place, totally right? A safe place for someone to go and, and have a conversation. Yeah, we, we genuinely do need that safe place because we again, as I'm sorry to people, be we are human, so we yes. have to be able to react, but we can't <laughs> be seen to react. You know. Well, this is it. It's yeah, for HR. Totally so you can have those moments where you have you need to swear, you need to get it out of your system, you need to have a chat with your team about something that's going on that you need to help, you know, you need help with. Um, but also it needs to be a safe place for people to come to HR and share things where you can shut a door, where you can have that yeah. private conversation. Because let's face it, most organizations have are pitifully low on meeting rooms and they're always in high demand. And I never get obviously now it's everybody's going online and it's a very different world, I suppose. So that's a little yeah. bit little bit different but at the same time HR aren't as visible they're not as accessible as maybe they would have been when they were a constant presence around an office so there's upsides and downsides isn't there well Absolutely. I'm really conscious we're <laughs> we, could, we could talk about this for a really long time yeah <laughs> so um I'm actually glad we've covered I think quite a lot and like I say anyone that's in HR that's that's thinking you know oh it's not just me that's brilliant that's exactly what I want this to be for anyone that's new to HR I'm going oh okay this is the sort of stuff I'm gonna have to get my head around yes you are but there's help available um yeah. and also anyone that's a bit jaded by HR hey you know we're there and we're with you and we're feeling it um, so before we close, let us know, uh, Denise, how we can find you. What is the HR department does if nobody knows? Um, of course, the HR department is a, it's a good name, <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, you're not an internal HR department. So no. how do you work and where can people find you? Yeah, so um, we're a franchise model. So I purchased franchise here. We're nationwide. So there's 70 plus of us all around the UK. But my patch is here, your patch in Wimbledon, New Malden. And what we like to do is give that personal touch. So if my clients at the moment get me all 17 years experience of me for for whatever package they're on. Um, and um, I work with SMEs in and around Wimbledon and New Malden um, giving them that personal pragmatic advice Um. And again, understanding each situation as it is, hopefully understanding their culture, their organization, and taking all that into account and um, to give the right advice for that particular situation. Um, yeah, I have a website, um, www.hrdep.co.uk forward slash Wimbledon New Malden. And we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. And contact, yeah, you can get all my contact details there. And if HR people, business owners managers if they have want any advice or uh touch base please do get in touch and it was great talking to you rachel thank you for your time you too this has been really great so we'll make sure all denise's um contact details etc are in the show notes that'll be her linkedin um contact and her website etc um so you can look up the hr department you can look up denise on linkedin and do some light stalking if you want to find out what she's up to and what she's posting um if you liked this do please hit subscribe there will be more episodes coming probably about once a month but who knows i might get a bit more ambitious and try and do it twice but uh for now thanks for listening and i hope to catch you on the next one